0: Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 122. The title of our Sunday worship service for June 23rd, 2019 is How It Is. It is the eighth and final in our series, Truth Talks, BS Walks. Life is what we make it, using what God gives us. We have the power to live in love. So our scripture today... Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. I think as we get to the end of this series, as we said last, this Sunday is the last Sunday in the Truth Talks BS Walks series. As we get to the end of this series, I think it's appropriate to talk about the end of that series, day six, in the creation process. Because part of the goal of all of this is for you and me and everybody else to be at the beginning of something new, the beginning of a new creation process for us. And in general, I think it's really helpful to be the kind of person that can go back to basics. Almost always, and in fact, probably always, the answer to whatever the question happens to be, the the solution to the conundrum you face has to do with getting back to the basics, getting back to the way it was at the core. The way it was at the beginning. Because look, you and I are here to grow. And part of growing means getting messy. Part of growing means doing things the silly way. Going into some dead ends and all that kind of stuff. Your story and my story and everybody's story has got some of that in it. It's okay. Most of the time, it matters less what you did. Because we all do stuff. Most of the time it matters less what you did and how much you have and don't have and all that. Most of the time the thing that really matters, the thing that's going to get you to the next level, the thing that's going to make you free and bring about healing, has less to do with where you got to and more to do with what you got going on on the inside. Take it back to the start. And you'll find what you need to undo the problem, to move on. So here we are at Genesis when God looked upon the essence of all things that were created, and let's get clear about that. When God looked at you, and me, and this family, and everybody you know, and everything that has ever been made, and everything that will ever been made, God looked upon the essence of that and said, good and very good. That's the deal. And the Bible is full of quotes like that. I know on a Sunday morning there's an awful lot of churches that are telling people that they should feel guilty about something. But not here, because we actually read the book instead of hitting people with it. And if you read the book, it says God likes you. (laughs) When you read the book, it says that God sees that you are good and very good. Yeah, people do goofy stuff sometimes. People do mean and selfish things sometimes. I get it. And we're here to fix that and stand up to what needs to be stood up to and all of that. But it can be stood up to, it can be fixed when you know that at the core of each and every person, At the core of all creation. And yes, boys and girls, at the core of you. You are worthwhile. You are important. You are loved. When you know that, you have what it takes to fix whatever needs to be fixed. And if you don't have that, good luck fixing it. But you know, past a certain point, it almost doesn't matter how God feels about it. Stick with me. (laughs) It almost doesn't matter how God feels about it. Because the real question is, what are you and I going to do about it? It doesn't matter how generous the gift is. If the receiver doesn't receive it, it doesn't matter. If I give you a sports car and you never drive it, who cares, right? If I give you something big and you don't feel that you're worthy to accept it, what does it matter? It doesn't matter how grand the gift is, how big the potential. You and I know people where you, when you think about the thing they did, (laughs) you shake your head and you go, man, you had so much going for you, and you did that? Everybody's got somebody like that. I bet you've been that person in somebody else's life. I know I have. It's part part of the cycle, part of the dance we do. So think about what's going on there, though. It's not about the potential, because truthfully, we all have big potential. Whose children are we? It's not about the potential. It's about what you decide you're worth. It's not about the gift as much as it is about your ability to seize the gift. And so let's ask ourselves, when you look in the mirror, I know what God thinks about you. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? And can you be open to seeing something more? I'm not saying that overnight you can just go, I got this. It's okay to be in process on it, but let's be about being in process on it. Can you work on the idea that God has given you something great and I've decided in this moment to just say, thanks in whatever way makes sense to me right now. That's how this works. Get back to the beginning. When you think about every hero you ever had, a hero is somebody who says, you know what, you're worth it. You know what, you don't have to suffer anymore. You know what, let's go get the the bad guy that's been running the town, in the case of a Western or something like that. Every hero, from the movies to the Bible and everywhere in between, the mark of the hero is somebody who says, you are worth more. Let's together stand up for something that is bigger. That's what heroes do. So you got this idea that God sees you as something amazing. You've got this idea that every hero you ever had sees in terms of potentiality. What will you see? That's the question. What will you see? Because, man oh man, the world that you experience is 100 million percent, not a mathematician, but I think it's close to 100 million percent, The world that you experience is 100 million percent determined by how you see the world. Your perception creates your experience, and you know that. You know that. I had a friend uh, a long time ago, and we were talking about our lives, and we had known each other when we were younger, and we sort of came back together. It was sort of a reunion kind of thing, and we were talking about stuff, and he said, you know, you got a pretty good life. Okay, I think I do too married my dream girl i got these perfect kids i'm on the path i'm working on stuff i certainly don't have the answers to life the universe and everything but i'm working on it i know that i've got work to do but i am doing the work you know doing all right and it seemed like what my friend was sort of teeing up was good for you but instead what he said was well you know what that means (laughs) hey i thought we were praising me here what happened (laughs) he said you know what that means it means you're never going to win the lottery what? Okay, but what do you mean? And he said, well, look, there's only so much good that goes around. And because you have sort of a good vibe going in general, you're never going to have like the big moments and all of that kind of stuff. I thought, really? You believe that there's only a certain amount of good and it just kind of floats around like an oil slick? (laughs) But as I said it to him, I sort of cast my mind back to the way that he has lived his life and I realize that his life is that story of windfall and disaster and that seems to be how he likes it. Now look, spoilers, there is not only a certain amount of good in the world. Love is not something you can even measure. Life, beauty, joy, honor, nobility, perfection, whatever it is that matters can't run out. We know that. But here's the deal. If you live like the world has a certain amount of good, you are going to experience a life where there's a certain amount of good. Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of the universe takes care of its own and everything's okay, or everything is terrible, wherever you live along that spectrum, you're going to find something that proves your point right. You're going to find evidence to support your hypothesis because that's how powerful you are. You're not changing the universe, you're just changing your experience, let's be clear. But you have the power to make a life that works real good or sometimes real good. (laughs) That's how this works, based on how you see it, based on how you interact with it. So here's my proposition. Here's the wager, are you ready? What if you just bet on the idea that the world is a pretty good place? That's all. You have a choice. You can act like the world is a good place and the universe takes care of its own or not. That's it. We can have all kinds of classes, and I love taking and teaching classes. We can read all kinds of books. We can get really complicated about how all this works. I can quote scripture to you all day about how much God likes you, (laughs) about all of that. Consider the lilies of the field and all of that. But at the end of the day, here's the proposition. You can live like life is good or not, and you'll be right. So why not just decide that I'm not going to be afraid anymore because it's boring. It is. Fear is boring. Adventure is exciting. Come on. What if I just live like it's okay? I'm not saying that all of a sudden everything's going to be okay and and, and all of the problems get solved, but I am saying that the essence of the beginning of the solution is you taking that bet. Just deciding to stand up for something. That's how this works. It ain't complicated. It's just one step. Now, yesterday, we took a lot of steps. (laughs) Pretty good segue, right? Just right in there. Um, Yesterday, we took a lot of steps. We uh, we, We marched in the pride parade. And I'll tell you, man, it was really something. It was something in a lot of ways. Like I said, whether or not you were there in person, you're part of a family that stands up for love. And whether or not you felt led to be in a parade... I hope that everybody is the kind of person that when you see an opportunity in your life to stand up for love, in whatever way that speaks to your heart, take that chance. Because that's how the world gets better. Stand up for love in some way. Let somebody know that you accept them for who who they are. Let somebody know that you see them like God sees them. Find a way. Whether or not you're marching or not. Find a way to stand up for something, and life will pay you back a million times over. Man, oh man, that parade was so much work. Pound for pound, it is absolutely the most labor-intensive service project we do all year. There's meetings and meetings and preparation and all kinds of stuff, and we stood in a parking lot for hours just waiting for our chance to go, and all of it. It was a lot, right? right? But the parade starts, and you just... All of that goes away. And look, I know that there's a lot of people who are just there because they want to catch beads in a parade. And I know that there were some people that had been drinking and partying and they didn't care who we were. I get it. But if there was even one person, and I know that there was more than one person who got something out of the fact that, you know what, maybe there's a church in the world that doesn't hate me just for being me. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it every day. I don't care how much work it is. It was funny because I was a wheel watcher. Me and Spencer got to be at the front of the truck. Everybody else is kind of doing all kinds of stuff, but a wheel watcher, it's, it's part of the rules of the parade. You have to make sure nobody walks in front of the truck and all that kind of stuff. But it means you're not allowed to pass out any beads because we're supposed to be security. Look at me, you know, I'm pretty... <laughs> I know, I'm an imposing-looking guy. It worked out pretty well. But um, because I wasn't doing anything but just sort of walking and just sort of holding the space, you know... It meant I got to interact with people in a different kind of a way. It meant I got just to wave and I wasn't passing out beads or anything. And so the people who I connected with weren't interested in beads. You know what I mean? It worked out so beautifully. And I really tried to just connect with people. I tried to look people in the eye. I tried with any way I could think, with body language, with waving, with saying hi, to let people know that, you know what, it's okay. And it was funny, because we were in the front of our little gang, the, the people in front of us were very close. And I heard them say, ooh, there's a church behind us. Now, let's be clear, in no way did it alter their behavior. (laughs) We saw some things. But um, I think Spencer aged about five years yesterday. But um, it was a wonderful thing to be the church group, and that made us the weirdos. I love that. And it was really neat because it wasn't like there was some big connection moment, but instead it was just sort of a general trend of them going, oh, wait a minute, they're not judging us. I didn't care what they did. I was just happy that we were all in it together. (laughs) Isn't that the point? We are all in this together. That's the deal. That's how this works. And the moment you realize that, because it's true, the moment you connect with that truth, life works better. That's it. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to do that in any way makes sense. Now, like I said, I know there's a lot of churches that are talking about hate and fear and judgment and separation and boundaries and whatever to scare you so you'll come back or put more money in the plate. Or I don't know why they do it. I don't know. I don't care. I just know that we're not doing it. And so much of that goes on that there are people that say, well, you shouldn't have church. I've given up on church. And you know me. I'm not going to go into that because you've heard me say it a million times. But the point is, let's have a little courage here. Let's take it back. Because at the end of the day, a church is like any other organization. It's not the thing. It's the people in it. At the core of it, remember today, we're talking about getting back to the core of it. At the core, we're supposed to be helping people connect with something bigger than themselves. That's a good thing. Pass that, yeah, there's people that do goofy things. But the problem is not church. The problem is meanness and fear. So let's get over our meanness and fear. There's nothing wrong with organizations. A hospital is an organization. And if the people in it are dedicated to healing, it's a good hospital. If they're not, not so much. A restaurant is an organization. If the people in it are dedicated to making something good that's good for you or whatever, good restaurant. If not, well, you're going to get food poisoning. Every organization is just the people in it. It's not magic, it's just the people in it. There's a point here. A parade is just a group of people. And yeah, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but in general we're all moving and that's a good, beautiful, fun thing. The problem is when people in the parade try to stop. And the problem in a movement is when people try to stop instead of moving forward. A movement is supposed to move, so let's get moving. And the reason I bring that up is that any group of people is like that, whether it's a church or a hospital or a restaurant or a parade or whatever you want, William Shatner fan club. I don't care what it is. Any movement is the people in it. The world, here we go. Here's where I was going with this. The world is just the people in it. There are people that go, oh, well, that's just the way of the world. Well, the world is just you and me. And every moment is a vote for the kind of world you want to live in. So again, I put it to you. You can live like the world is a cruel place. And that's what you're voting for. And you can put meanness in the world by acting scared. Or you can decide differently. You can get back to basics. One of my heroes appeared in my life when I was a teenager. I was at one of those youth retreats that I talk about often. And it was my first one. It was before I had really kind of come out of my shell. And I was really scared. And I kind of kept to myself. And and I just didn't have a whole lot of friends and and all that. And I I was really intimidated by the whole thing. It's weird. People hugging each other. I don't want that. You know, that level of, (laughs) I have changed. But one of the reasons I changed is because of that. And in general, these teen retreats are a pretty loving and accepting place, but they're still people, and they're still teenagers, and there were two teenage boys that had gotten in kind of a fight. They were fighting over a girl or something, and they were saying ugly things to each other, and it looked bad. And in fact, I think it's the only time I've ever been to one of these retreats where it got that level of uh (laughs) uh-oh, to be technical about it. And I'd never been to one before, so I didn't even know what to make of it. And some adult sponsors tried to get in, involved, and they got called names and yelled at, too, and it was gross. <clears throat> but then this guy appeared. He had been doing something else, and he kind of arrived in the room. And he was a sponsor from one of the St. Petersburg churches, actually, a guy named John. And John was a giant man who had no hair on his head but this amazing, beautiful Fu chew thing going on <laughs> on his face. And John was a scary-looking dude. And it looked for all the world. He was sort of marching up, and it looked for all the world like someone was going to be you know, body slammed or something. But John put his arms around both of those boys, not in a headlocky kind of a way, but just in a loving way. And he just sort of walked with them. And his comportment, his vibe, his thing was so pervasive that they just sort of, you could see as he was talking. And I couldn't hear what he was saying because they were walking away but I could see him talking to one and talking to the other, and you could see their body language just kind of soften, you know what I mean? And something happened, and before too long, the fight was a memory. And I was so moved by that that I got out of my own intimidation, and I sought him out, and I said, I'm figuring out my life. I was 14. I'm figuring out my life. I know I want to be a minister, and I don't even exactly know what that means, but what I do know is that I want to stand up for peace, and you did that. How did you do that? It looked impossible. And he said, you know what i do for a living? And I thought he would say, you know, bouncer. (laughs) Assassin for the government. I don't know. Something scary. (sighs) You know what i do for a living? And he said, I'm a midwife. He said, I bring babies into the world. He said, it's the best job in the world because I get to be there. I'm that first presence. I get to hold that baby before anybody else does. And he said, I wouldn't do any other job. It's an amazing thing. And he said, but the thing about any job, if you give your heart to it, Because I was talking about the job I wanted. I wanted to be a minister. He said, you know you're on the right track because if you do a job and you give your heart to it, it will color the way that you do everything. That's how you know you're on the right track. And he said, so unfortunately, I'm a midwife all the time. And he said, what that means is that whenever I see anybody, I see them like they're that little baby that God just put into my hands. I can't help it. And sometimes it has gotten me into trouble because I lead with my heart. But I'll tell you what, when I see you, he said to me, that's what I see. And he said, I hope that no matter what you do for a living, you see people like a midwife does. You just see them perfect. Babies aren't afraid. Babies aren't racist. Babies aren't jealous. Babies aren't any of those dumb things that people decide to put on. They're just brave and strong and fantastic and so beautiful. And I didn't exactly know what he meant until a doctor put a baby in my arms, you know? But I get it. So I ask you can you see the world like a midwife does? Can you see the people in your life as just God put them there, just perfect. Yeah, people do crazy stuff, but can you see past that or do you have to judge by appearances? It's on you to decide. Can you get back to basics and not get hung up on the way that things turn out? There's something beautiful about not getting hung up. You know, we're told not to judge by appearances, right? It's right in there. (laughs) The man said, judge not according to appearances, but judge in righteous judgment. In other words, don't get hung up on the way things look. This is tricky. We're not good at it. Well, well, let me say, we can be good at it. We're just not trained for it. It's so easy to go, I got the job. And now I step right into this job is the only way I can experience money and fulfillment and self-esteem in my life. Well, I missed the point, right? I mistook the outer thing for the inner thing. Oh, I got in this relationship, and now this relationship is the only thing that can tell me who I am. Well, then I stop being a unique partner, and I start being this weird surrogate organ to this other person. And that's the beginning of, well, therapy, right? You know what I'm talking about. It sounds romantic. Ain't. Right? But it's that kind of thing. It's easy to miss the thing. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. And he was trying to say it's like this valuable thing. But so many people miss the like and they decide, oh, it's a pearl. You know what I mean? And they start worshiping physical things. You get what I'm saying? There are a lot of people that worship jewelry, whether it's just the the idea of riches or I'm not spiritual unless I have my special lucky astrology mood necklace on or whatever. You know what I mean? There's no magic in things. The magic's in you. But it's easy to skip and to get caught up on the outer things, so I will give unto you the commandment of thou shalt not miss the point. Thou shalt not live according to a lie. Let me be clear about this. Life works to the degree that you connect with something true, and it doesn't work to the degree that you believe a lie. If there's a piece of your life that's not working, I'll bet you anything there's a lie in there that somebody told you that you're subscribing to. I'm not judging it. I'm not blaming it. I don't want guilt, but let's find it and get done with it. Find something true. The big lie is that life is a zero-sum game. You know that word, a zero-sum game? You know what that is? A zero-sum game is like, well, like Monopoly, where there's only so much money. Or checkers, there's only so many pieces you can capture. A zero-sum game is the idea that there's only so much good to go around, so for me to win, somebody else has to lose. That is something that people are told in all kinds of areas of life, but it is a lie. God is really good at infinity. Consider the lilies of the field. The universe is really good at taking care of you unless you decide to live on the basis of fear and scarcity. You can get in the way of it. If you decide that there's only so much good to go around, you can walk around afraid that somebody else is going to get yours. You can walk around judging other people. You can walk around deciding that I'm only going to give my love to people who deserve it. If you get caught up in that idea that life is a zero-sum game, you will become obsessed with the idea of deserving. Ask yourself, how many times do you evaluate who deserves a thing? And don't do it anymore. (laughs) Because here's the thing. The love of God is not deserved. It is unearned. It just is. The love of God, the grace of God isn't something you earn. It just is. You don't earn that. It just is. God loves you with love itself. You don't have to do anything special to show up for that. You don't earn gravity or sunlight or mathematics. God's like that. Get done with the idea of who deserves what and start learning how to say thank you. Spirituality happens when we listen instead of talk. Just behold something. Just get in touch with it. Stop telling God what to do. When my daughter was small, before Miles was born, she was riding in the back seat, and she knew that her mama was going to have a baby. And uh, she was sort of getting her head around that idea. And uh, depending on the day, not crazy about it. She had those moments, and Raina would have these deep philosophical thoughts. We hardly ever had music on in the car, because she would just say these amazing things from the back seat. And she always sat behind me, so I couldn't even see her. I could just hear these these amazingly wise little Buddha moments coming out of my kid. And she said, "Mom, can we have a sister? I, I'd like to have a baby sister." And you said something like, well, you know, that depends on, you know, that's, but that's up to God, and that's God's thing. But I can tell you that no matter what, we're, we're going to just love it so much, and you're going to be a great big sister. And you know, the things you're supposed to say, my daughter was not interested in any of those. She's like, yeah, 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 but can we have a sister? Because I want this specific thing. And you repeat it again, that's up to God. And so my daughter said, well, I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> And so we waited. It was like E.F. Hutton spoke. There was no sound in the car. We were waiting. And my daughter from the back seat said, God, may we have a sister? And then she did her best impression of God. We hear this voice because we didn't know what she was going to do next. She said, Yes, you may. <laughs> and I love that. I love that because of that sweet innocence, that belief in a connection with something, and that's the truth, right? But I also love it because, as you know, Miles showed up. <laughs> Raina was not super crazy about it at the beginning, but man, oh man, there are these moments when those two people connect in such a beautiful way. Miles was supposed to happen just like Reina was supposed to happen, and the two of them, what they have is amazing because you don't get what you ask for. You get what you need. That's the lesson. So many people think I can law of attraction myself into telling God what I want. Don't work that way. Because here's the thing. Creation is not a matter of ego, a matter of telling God. Creation doesn't happen with what's between your ears. It's not about learning the right combination of affirmations. Creation happens not in your head, but in your heart. Jesus said, if you have faith in your heart and do not doubt, you will say to the mountain, be up and cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Creation is what you have in your heart. And so I ask you, what's in your heart? We're not going to learn a bunch of fancy affirmations. We can do that if you want, but that's not where it's at. What's in your heart? Ask yourself, what do you believe in? You want to fix your life? Go through your inventory. Maybe there's some things that you do or allow to be done that don't really sit right with your heart. That's okay. We're all growing. We're all changing. We're not going to do blame and guilt, but we are going to get done with the lie. Find those things. Once again, you deserve happiness. We deserve love. The world that we make together deserves us seeing it like it's perfect. This isn't about anything else. Every single person deserves happiness and love and power. Every single person deserves to know how amazing they are. Can you show them? I know how God feels about it, and so do you. Let's just agree for a change and set everything else free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much.